The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pit Podcast. Get ready for contact. Buttholes, birth canals, and aliens. Yes. Oh my God, Dexter. Why would you use such vulgar language to describe a podcast? Because that's what I'm talking about on this one. You got to give me a second and a moment to explain it, please. So before you jump to conclusions, I'm going to get into all that. All right? So give me a chance. Give me a chance. All right? I know it's vulgar. But you know what else is vulgar? Social media. And that's why, I'm, that's why I named it all of that. All right? So... Give me a chance. Let me explain myself, okay? But before we do, I'm back in the booth. It's another episode of the Iron Pits podcast. But it, and let me go ahead and apologize if you hear some noise in the background. My neighbor's outside cutting his grass. So, Roger, I hear you. What's up, my man? I promise I'm going to cut my grass soon. I do not want to be the black guy on the block with the yard that is unkept. I promise. Just got to find some time. I got y'all. <laughs> but welcome back to another episode of the I Am Pits podcast, people. Thank you all for tuning in. But before I start t- talking about buttholes and birth canals, we got to talk about aliens. Yes, aliens. We are now living in that time where the United States government is telling us that there are aliens here. And not just that, that aliens have actually abducted people, hurt people, and impregnated people. In an article by Live Science, it says UFOs left radiation burns and unaccounted for pregnancies. New Pentagon report claims 1,500 pages of UFO-related research were just declassified as part of FOIA requests. For those that don't know, FOIA is Freedom of Information Act. Encounters with UFOs have reportedly left Americans suffering from radiation burns, brain and nervous system damage, and even unaccounted for pregnancy, according to a massive database of U.S. government reports. I need you all to just marinate on that for a moment. Think about the words I just said. I I don't know about y'all, but I need this to be real. The, The world needs this to be real. This would explain all the foolishness currently going on in the world. I mean, everything with the Biden administration, Russia invading freaking uh, Ukraine. I mean, our government officials and our and our citizens here in America are, um, as I call them, the uh, colored hair people, the genderless, sexually confused pedophiles that are pushing and advocating for third graders to be, you know, to, ha- to be able to talk to them about sex. You know, this explains it all. That's why that's why I need this to be real. This has to be real because I need an explanation for all this craziness going on. And this is literally the only thing that could possibly explain all of it. I mean, the brain damage thing. Look at President Biden. Look at our elected officials, man. Look at the elected officials that are pushing this garbage currently in our country. Aliens. That's what it is, man. That is what it boils down to right now. I mean, I'm glad we kind of got an answer for all this craziness going on right now, dude. I'm, no, this makes me happy, you know. And the fact that the federal government is coming out and saying this now, 
But at the same time, I also know how the government operates. We got to throw something up in their faces to distract them. You know, the whole Hunter Biden laptop thing going on. Hey, release the aliens, dog. Release the aliens. And that is what is happening right now. The aliens, they out here raping people, man. Did you ever think you would live in a time where you would hear about aliens impregnating people? And apparently, they hitting it and quitting it. They not even coming back to take care of their half-alien babies. And my question is, how long has this been going on? Because if that is the case, that means that there are people out here walking around like in the movie Men in Black that are half-alien. Who are these people? It's probably everybody that's on The View, Whoopi Goldberg and her entire crew. Probably all of them, man. That can be the only explanation for why these people are so crazy. And I mean, think about it. Maybe they are the entire government, these half-alien beings, man. Think about it. Man, no, don't think about it too deep. Don't think about it too deep. That's going to blow your mind. That's blowing my mind. You know, but I said, I need this to be real. I need it to be real. This isn't, I don't want this to be satire or a joke and the government just playing a joke on me, man. I don't. I don't, because I we like I said we all need explanations for all this that's going on, you know, and we need an explanation for why things certain things happen in this country, and not just in the country, but especially within the black community. And what people need to realize, I've never really heard of black people having alien encounters. I have not, and I know why we don't have encounters as black people with aliens. Because they watching us and they said, you know what? Now, we ain't even going to bother them. I guarantee you there's some aliens in a spaceship somewhere out there in space right now. And they saw this article about this rapper named Gnu, a 24 year old black rapper from Washington, D.C. that was shot and killed. And they took his dead body and they propped it up in the club on display for an event for his funeral called the final show GNU and sold tickets to the event for $40 to come in and pay your final respects. Man, when I saw that video the other day and homeboy was posted up on stage, his dead body chilling, fully dressed. I was like, I'll be damned. But you know what? I am not shocked. I am not shocked the least bit. And this is why the aliens don't come and visit the hood. This is why. Because I have grown up black. I've been black almost 38 years, people. I've been to black churches. I've been to black clubs. I've worked in black clubs as an officer. And if you know black people like I know black people, you know we extra. If you have never been to a black funeral, that is a once-in-a-lifetime event that you need to go and see. Because it will explain all this. And now I'm not saying that all of us are like that. I know we not. Not all of us. It, this is a pretty extreme event, but it's not the first time I've seen something of the sort happen. Man, I used to go to St. Stephen's Church here. Used to be married into the family over there. There was this bishop that died one time years ago, probably about nine, uh, probably about 12 years ago. So they had his funeral at the church. And so we go into the church. They take the man's casket and they prop it upright. And so when you walk up, it's almost like the bishop was standing straight up and looking at you. <laughs> and everybody walked by to pay their respects. Yo, it was just like the dude was just standing, propped up in the casket, all decked out, man. So, you know, for me, I'm not shocked. There is nothing that happens within the black community and I see it and I'm like, oh my God, that's shocked. No, 
I'm not shocked. I've been around too long and I've seen too much. Okay, I just I just know how it, I know how it goes, man. We extra. I'm trying to think of the video they had of a young black girl years ago that was going to her prom, <laughs> and they hired out an uh, an ambulance, <laughs> and she they pulled her out of the ambulance on the stretcher, and then her prom date walks up to her and kisses her and wakes her up, and then that's how she makes her entrance into the prom. You know what, bro? Hey, I ain't even mad. It's extra as hell, but you know what? Hey. Do you, boo-boo? And my thing is like, yo, if this rapper's family was like, yo, this is what we wanted, hey, we cool with it. And this, that's what his final wish was? Marvita, I really don't care. Personally, I wouldn't have been going there to that concert anyway. Not my type of music, not my type of crowd. But apparently I just saw that the uh, nightclub where it was hosted uh, sent out an apology because there were some people in attendance, I guess, that were offended. And so the nightclub was like, yo, we did not know that this was going to happen. And apparently people have started leaving negative negative reviews for the nightclub. So, <laughs> oh, man, you know, I wonder if there's any half aliens in attendance that went to the funeral. And he's probably the one that was there and shot it back up to the spaceship was like, y'all, hey, y'all not going to believe this, man. Do not come down here. Do not come down. You're not going to believe what they're doing right now. God bless, man. I, I love America. I absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and speaking of, you know, the brain damage that's caused by these alien abductions, I know that there is somebody that apparently does not have brain damage and has not been affected. And that person is the Aurora, Colorado city manager, Jim Twombly, who just fired the Aurora police chief. Wow. You know, I didn't think that was possible these days. When was the last time you really heard of a police chief for real, for real being fired? Man, in this article from the Police Tribune, Tribune, which just came out today, it says Aurora police chief fired for prioritizing community relations over policing. Aurora police chief Vanessa Wilson was fired on Wednesday morning, shortly after the police department was accused of having a massive backlog of cases that were not being investigated. It is clear that Chief Wilson was prioritized, has prioritized community involvement, Aurora City Manager Jim Twomley said in a statement, according to the Colorado Sun. However, the police chief also needs to be needs to effectively manage the operations of the department, effectively engage with staff, build morale, and validate employee feedback. To provide the level of public safety that our community deserves, a change in leadership must occur, Twomley explained. Dude. Now, can we have this follow suit throughout the rest of the country? Somebody's acts with common sense that has not been abducted by aliens and had their brains scrambled has stepped up to the plate and said, yo, hey, community relations is great, but we need to protect the community. This guy's this person's a freaking genius, man. I mean, I've just we everybody in police work has been saying this for years, but nobody wants to hear us. Nobody. Nobody wants to listen to us. OK, but man, look at that. You know, it's a lot of these police chiefs and leaders need to be knocked down a couple a couple levels and humbled. And this here is one of them. And it's clear, clear. The Aurora police chief clearly has brain damage from alien encounters. I mean, how else do you explain the wokeness that has gone on in Aurora and the general Colorado area as a whole? But man, that 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 gives me hope. 
And I would love to see more of that start to happen across the country. That'd be so awesome. Holding police chiefs and police leaders accountable, not just holding the people at the bottom of the line, the ones at the trenches doing the work accountable, but the leaders, because everything rises and falls on leadership. If your city is falling apart, it's because you're a crappy leader. If your department is falling apart, it's because you're a crappy leader. If you have officers leaving in droves to go leave the profession altogether and leaving your department to go somewhere else where they're making less money, it's because of your lack of leadership. And that is true across the board. And it, and it just makes my heart glad that the blue line has this win for the week, at least. And that like that just really makes me happy. You know, all the wokeness that has gone on in police work, it has hurt this profession more than it has helped anything else. That's all it has done. You know, I am not one to be woke whatsoever. I'm not on the woke train. You know, I'm pretty hardcore conservative, but I am open to everyone else's lives and their personal choices and how they want to live their lives. That is what living in America and being an American is the pursuit of happiness. If you want to be a transgender, be a transgender. For example, I don't know if I told you all, but apparently my police department has promoted me to a new position that I was unaware of. The parity inclusion officer. How do I know this? Because I got sent to the hospital the other day to take a report for a person in the hospital. And I get to the hospital room and I'm taking the report and I'm looking at this black individual and I'm like, who or what am I talking to? I couldn't tell the gender. I couldn't tell the male or female. I had no clue. And this person was 75 years old. And me, I am the police. I enforce the law. I am not the morality police. Police. I am not here to tell you what you can and cannot do with your life and how to live your life. I have one job, and that job is when you call 911, I am here to serve you and ensure that you get justice. And this person called the police because they wanted justice. And me... I am a professional always when I am in the uniform. I do my best to serve people and make them feel like their issue is important. And I do my best to not insult anybody. Say personally, I don't really like the whole they them thing. And, you know, when I'm outside of the uniform, but when I'm in the uniform and I'm talking to somebody that is considers themselves gender bias or gender uh, genderless or they them. I don't know. I do my best personally to talk to them as, as how they want to be and address them as how they want to be respond. My God, this, it just scrambles my brain, alien brain damage. So I do my best to try to address them how they want to be addressed. And I asked, I asked the person, I was like, Hey, what do you want me to call you? And the, the, I get uh, them. They, I guess, I don't know. So it was, he was born a, he, a 75 year old black man that is now transgender and, you know, I'm, and I was doing my best to just be respectful. Like, hey, I don't want to offend you. I'm sorry if I do. Hey, so what would you like to call me? What do you, what's on your driver's license? What do you want me to list in the report? Hey, so, you know, we go about, I do the report. And as I'm leaving, this individual says to me, hey, I'm so glad that LMPD sent over here a parity inclusion officer. And I, I looked and I was confused. I was like, excuse me? Yeah, a parity inclusion officer. I was like, I, I don't I don't know what that is. A parity inclusion officer. I was like, yeah, I've never heard of it. No, that's a person that the police department has trained to go and talk to people and to be inclusive. And I guess parity inclusion is a way of forcing. Oh, my God, my, my brain is melting. Parity inclusion is. Uh, 
Ah, look, you know what? Let me use the mighty Google. The parody, because it's called the parody model. And it says, in today's world, a company's brand equals their values. More companies than ever are realizing that diversity is a key business performance indicator. But some aren't sure of where to start. That's where the parity model can help. The parity model was developed from research and conversations with hundreds of CEOs and diversity leaders and recruiters since launching our mission to create equal representation and leadership. And so I guess with the uh, parity model, it's a framework created to help companies understand the three pillars to a diverse and inclusive culture that enables women and people of color to rise in their organizations. So apparently this person thinks I am the parity inclusion officer. And maybe I am. I don't know. If you're out here listening to LMPD, hey, why not give me the job? I'm a great guy. I'm a good officer. You know, no, I'm joking. I don't want that job. Not for the love and not for the life of me. Don't give me anything. I don't want any job that I'm going to be given simply because I check a box. I've worked too hard to get to where I am to be knocked down a level. And, hey, you're black. Take this job. No, thanks. You know, but it was just so, you know, I tell the guy like or the, excuse me, I tell them they. Well, I'm not necessarily a trained parody inclusion officer. Then what are you? I'm just a regular officer. I'm just a human being that realizes sees another human being that needs help. And me being a police officer, you called 911 because you want me to help you. And I am here to help you and solve your problem. It's not me going out of my way to be inclusive. It's just me being a normal person and not being an asshole. And it's just me trying to be the best representation of what it means to be a police officer. And to me, that's not anything special on my end. That's just who I am as a person. But and that's not just me. That's most officers on the department that I work with. You could have sent any other officer there and I guarantee you they probably would have done the same thing. Now, are there those outliers who are jerks and would probably go out of their way to try to offend them? Of course. But that is not the norm on the police department, you know, but. You know, I had a good interaction with this person and this person was legit upset and they had a legit claim. And like I told I was speaking at you, the, the University of Louisville yesterday, and I was telling the students, I was like, look, man, when you call 911, there's not some checklist we go down to make to see what kind of service we're going to give you. It's not black checkmark, you know, criminal history up oh, checkbox. You know, we don't go through all that. All we know is you call, you need help, we respond, and we see if we can help you. If you have a, an issue that's a criminal matter, we're going to do our best to bring you justice. If you have an issue that's a civil matter and there's nothing we can do, I'm going to tell you your best course of action to help you solve your civil matter. That's it. It's not me going on my, out of my way to be a parody inclusion person or a parody inclusion officer. It's just me being who God designed me to be. It's just me being a human being who has struggled and had his fair share of issues in life and realizing that you are just in a bad in a bad situation and in a bad predicament and you want me to help you. That's why I do the job that I do. I don't go out of my way to serve extra hard people that look like me. I don't go out of my way to do above and beyond because you're a, uh, you know, a part of the LGBT2, LGBTQ plus QIA community. No, I do that for everybody, because if it was me on the other end and I call the police, I would want them to provide me the same type of service. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. That's all I do. It ain't me being extra. It ain't me doing that, man. So, you know, that was a very, very, very interesting uh, encounter. But like I said, it's, it's just a person. People are people. People go on people all day. You know, hey, you know what? Maybe. 
maybe it was an alien. Being 75 years old, when did the Roswell crash happen? Could be. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there, man. Y'all don't know. You never know. <laughs> and if they and if that person is listening and you are an alien, put in a good word for me with your people, please. And beam me up out of here because there's just way too much foolishness going on in this world today. But as I was saying, I spent yesterday at U of L. My uh, good friend, uh, retired LMPD sergeant, and now turned doctor and professor Barry Denton. Shout out to my home, my homeboy. Thanks for having me speak to your class yesterday. You know, I've talked to uh, classes at University of Louisville before, and they are always very receptive towards me. And I honestly tell people that's because my approach. I am not Officer Brandon Tatum. I am not Candace Owens. I am not Ben Shapiro. I am not all these other people. I don't go to college campuses like Charlie Kirk or what's the other guy? Um, uh, Steven Crowder. I don't go to campuses looking to argue with people. Ladies and gentlemen, I am tired. I spend 12 hours in a police car and in a police uniform. Listen to people argue all day. People arguing at me, people yelling at me, people screaming at me. And then I come home to a house with young kids that like to scream and yell, too. I do not want to argue and debate with people. So when I go to these schools to talk to people, I go to engage in conversation. I don't go to win people's minds and change them over. I simply go to share my experience and to learn from their experiences, to hopefully give them another alternative perspective to what they think. And maybe I'll learn something new as well. So I am anytime I go, I am received very well because I don't take these hardline stance on some things. You know, I was telling the class the other day that, yo, I don't like Black Lives Matter. But at the same time, I don't like the people that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. I was like, that's fair. You know, most people are like, that is fair. You know, and I, I don't want to live in the extremes, man. I am trying to be a reasonable person and I'm just trying to be a good man and live a good life. And when I die and y'all prop me up in the police station, my dead body, to come by and say bye. I want people to say, man, Dex was a good dude. That's all it was. He wasn't a parody inclusion officer. He wasn't just a conservative and a Christian. He was just a good man in general. And so, you know, how you approach people, especially in this line of work, especially as an officer, when all these stigmas are attached to us, if I go in there and I'm telling these people that they're all wrong, you know, you're all woke and I hate you all, how receptive do you think they're going to be? They're not going to be receptive. Now, we spend all our time arguing on social media, back and forth with people all day. And that is not the life I want to live anymore. I don't I don't have time. I'm tired. Man, I just want to talk with people and learn. And like I say, man, maybe I'll change somebody's mind. Maybe not. I don't really care if I do, because at the end of the day, I'm going to go and live my life and do what I please, because this is America and that's what I want to do. So, you know, it, it was a very, very, very good and eye-opening conversation, and everybody was so receptive. Even the kids with colored, colorful hair, you know? And typically, I'm not going to lie, when I see people with colored hair, I'm like, you know what? Oh, God, here we go. I'm judging them. Yes, I'm judging them. I know I'm wrong and I shouldn't, but that has been my lived experience recently the last few years. It's with people with colored hair yelling at me, especially white people with colored hair. The colored hair folks, man. Yelling it, I just, I, ah, I'm traumatized, man. You got to excuse me. Like I said, don't don't try to discard my experience of the last few years and tell me that's wrong. No, 
That has been my experience, and I stand by that. <laughs> you know, just the last few years, man, it changed me. It, like, it didn't just change me. The last few years have changed the entire country, and it has changed police work. You know, and, uh, man, just we're at a point now where I'm seeing so many more officers get hurt. And I'm seeing a lot more officers being hesitant to do anything because, like I said on the last podcast, everything now is about optics and how it looks. Yo. But as I said before, when you focus on optics and how things look, you are putting yourself at a disadvantage, especially when it comes to dealing with violent criminals. You know, I was trained under the old way of if somebody's starting to get out of hand, you smack them in the face and you change their train of thought and you end it as quick as possible. And that's kind of not the training model now. It's kind of like, you know, you just sit there and you hold them and you let them tire themselves out. Yo, then they'll eventually give up. Yo, like, hey, I hear you, but I'm, I'm not feeling that, bro. I am not feeling that at all. You know, you start resisting and I don't know what you got on you and you're reaching. I'm going to beat the mess out of you. Plain and simple. They, people not, might not want to hear it, but that's what's going to happen, man. But, you know, I've seen a couple videos recently. You know, especially after the Officer Amber's incident here, which I talked about last week, where my buddy was uh, trying to arrest this guy at the park, a known violent person, a child sex offender that wouldn't get his hands out from under him. And this guy's dangerous. And what does he do? Officer Amber's delivers strikes to his face to gain compliance to get this guy's hands out from under him. I explained that to you all last time, how during the protest, same thing happened to me and the guy had a gun. Well, there's this case that just happened. And it comes out of uh, Tampa, Florida, a uh, Tampa police uh, sheriff deputy. Man, he go, gets called to the scene of an accident, and he's talking to this young lady. And you can watch the video. Like, he's walking up to her. Yo, it's dark outside. She's wigging out and freaking out. She's been in an accident. Yeah. And the officer's doing his best to be prof professional and talk to this lady. Well, the lady starts walking away. The officer follows her. And the whole time, you realize you can't see her hands. But she doesn't have on a lot of clothes. And so she walks away, starts walking up the stairs. The officer follows her. Next thing you know, she turns around and she stabs the officer in the freaking neck with the knife. You tell me, one, how's the officer supposed to de-escalate? You're not. Two, what would you do in that situation? Huh? And see, this is why I am a stickler, especially with new officers. And when I tell people time and distance or time and space, and man, and watch the hands, dude. Watch the freaking hands. And this officer was lucky he did survive and they were able to arrest this girl. But my God, dude, like just the video. And I'm not here to criticize the officer. I'm not. That is not what I want to do. I just want to show the fact and tell you all that, hey, as officers, we have to be careful and watch people's hands. And we can't let people get in our personal space because, man, like, apparently they gone away with the whole 21 feet re uh, the, uh, reactionary gap thing. Yo. So, man, just create as much space, time, and distance between you and another person. And I'm glad that that officer is okay. But you know what? I watch a lot of these videos to learn from other people's mistakes so that I don't make those same mistakes, man. And, you know, it's scary. You just never know when, when it's going to go crazy and when things are going to happen. I mean, it happened to my partner the other night. We're sitting at the jail, and the next thing you know, some guy that we didn't even arrest that's been super quiet and all of a sudden out of nowhere jumps up and attacks my partner for no reason. Unprovoked. You never know when it's about to go down and we have to be ready to go at a moment's notice. 
And we just had another incident where one of our officers here in Louisville is lucky to be alive. You know, I was working when the shooting came out. And uh, apparently this individual was uh, tried to rob a young girl and her uh, baby sister, you know, and takes off running. And LMPD officers from the 4th Division chase after this person and they catch him. And, well, the guy is fighting. And, you know, the next thing you know, the guy falls to the ground and his hands disappear. And when his hands reemerge, this individual has a pistol in his hand and it is right next to an LMPD officer's head. You know, and I don't know what that individual's exact you know what his wishes were in that moment clearly it was to die because he doesn't shoot the officer in the head for some odd reason thank god thank god and the officer you know creates distance pulls out his weapon and blows holes in this dude and somehow this dude survives you know you can hear the guy say on the ground thank you for trying thank you for trying to kill me thank you for killing me you know it's clearly a suicide by cop but man that video gave me and it hurt my stomach watching it because, man, that's terrifying. And that could happen to any of us while in uniform, dude, any of us. And just the importance of watching people's hands, the hands will always hurt you. Nothing else on somebody else's body is going to hurt you quicker than those hands, dude. And the officers didn't do anything wrong on that one. You know, it was just hey, they chased after the guy. He fell to the ground. They hadn't had a chance to search him. The guy's putting up a fight and pulls out a gun. It happens that quick and that swiftly. So personally, I'm just glad that our officers are okay. I'm glad that the young lady and her sister that got assaulted by this individual are okay. And another win for law enforcement, man. But people, y'all need to realize what officers go through out here. You know, and I've been to one too many cop funerals in the last few years, dude. And I am tired of going and burying officers. I am tired of seeing families crying, okay? You know, so we like I said, we got to get away from this whole wokeness and police and we just got to be nice and gentle. And, you know, hey, can you please show me your hands, sir? No, I'm not showing you my hands. Well, could you uh, wh what's it going to take for me to show you your hands for you to for me to see your hands, sir? You know, we, we can't afford that, man. There is no way to nicely and peacefully arrest somebody that's resisting. This is an ugly job. And the public had damn well better learn that if you want to be safe, we it, it gets ugly. It, it you know, like I said, we got to become monsters, but just because we become monsters does not mean that we need to lose our humanity in doing our job. You know, I got a wife and kids to get back home to. I got uh, partners and friends and family on the police department that I need them to get back home to their families. And I need chain of command and politicians and everybody else that wants to input their, you know, throw their little two cents in to understand that this is a nasty job. And people lose sight and focus of that the further they promote and they start playing politics. And this is not a time to be playing politics when we have more officers being shot and ambushed in these last few years than any other time. All right. And if you are one of those people that are throwing in your two cents and think the police need to be nicer, you're probably one of those alien babies I was talking about earlier. Just plain and simple. I mean, that explains it. And speaking of alien babies, I might be an alien baby myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit that. You know, I was talking about liberals and the people on the far left getting swept up in the emotions of everything, you know, and how they're, you know, just being crazy and jumping to conclusions and all that. And so woke. I need to make an apology. Well, a partial apology, partial apology. So on last week's show or not last week, I think it was the, maybe the week before I was talking about an incident that happened in St. Louis where two St. Louis police officers 
were allegedly accosted by an individual and robbed at gunpoint and tried to be carjacked almost. Well, the guy apparently leaves the scene. And then um, as the guy leaves the scene, you know, the officers put out the bolo and they find the guy later and arrest him. And he had a gun on him at the time of the arrest. But now apparently the rumor is, and I don't know what the truth is at this point. The, the rumor is apparently the cops might have lied about the incident. And you know what? I, I have said it many times before. Before you, you know, start commenting on something and jumping to conclusions, get all the facts. And, you know, I saw the story on Facebook was St. Louis prosecutor refuses to per, uh, persecute criminal who carjacked police officers. You know, I saw that dude in my mind. I snapped and I went straight hardcore right. This is why these liberals in these cities are so unsafe. You know, and I mean, I, I and let's be honest, she is a liberal district attorney. And that, you know, she is, you know, but I jumped the gun and apparently maybe that is not the entire truth of the case. Like I said, I don't know. And so I do want to apologize for flying off the handle and setting a poor example of what I always say. Wait for the facts in the Iron Pits podcast. Dex did not wait for the facts. And I apologize for that. I jumped the gun. So I saw the video of the incident and you really can't tell much from the video. But you see the St. Louis police car rolling down the street and all of a sudden they hit the brakes. And then you see the guy that was allegedly trying to carjack the police. He's not really he's not walking in the street, but he proceeds to try to cross the street in front of the police vehicle. And the police vehicle stops. The guy disappears behind the car. And he, it's like the, and then the police car starts walking. Uh, excuse me. And the police car starts driving again. And the individual that was apparently trying to carjack them starts walking not running you know he doesn't make any obvious furtive movements it's it's like he was just literally walking across the street so you know it's like maybe a three to five second video where something happened on the other side of that police car and we don't know and my thing was like hey if this guy really tried to carjack you like you're the police like turn the car around and i'm not fleeing the scene i might move to a tactically better position yo but i'm not just gonna drive and drive off so yeah you know i don't i don't know i don't know it could be bad it could could look bad it could look like the police might have lied and embellished a little bit about this incident and i hope that that is not the case but there's no body camera footage and there's only security footage and it kind of refutes what was put out but the st louis police you know fop is saying that the, the event that occurred this is an actual legit event that occurred I don't know. I really don't know. I hope that the officers are being truthful and that if this really did happen, that justice is served. But, uh, man, you know, like we just can't afford to have these type of incidents in our, you know, in police work, man. This we things like this constantly erode the trust that the people have in us. And I said, I can't crap on these officers because I don't know. I can't crap on the on the alleged suspect because he might not be the suspect who knows we're just at that time now you know where it's like everything the truth is out there but who knows what the truth is you know apparently hopefully the aliens know the truth man maybe we need to get in contact with the aliens and review their video and maybe they can tell us what really happened because apparently whatever we're doing down here is not working you know and i just hate the fact that nobody knows what the truth is where do you go to find truth you know, I do my best to find truth 
and speak on topics and facts that are concrete and hard evidence. But, man, you just there's nowhere to really find it. I mean, there's no telling what you're reading on Facebook or on the news that's everything skewed. You know, everything's slanted to, you know, appeal to a certain base and a certain group of people. And that article that I read was slanted towards me and my profession and pissed me off. And it made me fly off the hinges and go on a rant in a triade <laughs> about these woke liberal Democrat, you know, district attorneys and cities, which it's not untrue that, you know, that is what they are. But, man, I unjustly and unfairly threw her under the bus. And so, like I said, I will apologize for that. You know, and, that, and this is the, ex the exact reason why I despise social media so much. So, God, I just hate social media. But Dex, you're on social media. I am on social media now because, one, I want to sell my books and get my message out. Two, it's a great way for me to keep in touch with people that I know, friends and family. You know, it's a good way to find people. But outside of that, my God, dude. I I find myself becoming a boomer and really despising my phone and every single social media app. Case in point, I recently signed up on TikTok. And no, I'm not on there doing any damn TikTok dances. I'm a grown-ass man, dog. I ain't doing no damn dancing on TikTok. Not doing it. And I'm trying to figure out that nightmare of an app. But, man, just like with TikTok and just like with Instagram, dude. And, oh, and also I'm on Twitter now. Oh, dude, every time I open up TikTok, I am greeted with a flood of buttholes and birth canals of attractive women. Thirst trap videos, as they call it now. Every time I get on my damn phone, man, to go get on TikTok to find something or to try to figure out how to make a video. Every time. Oh, my God. And now let's be honest. I am a straight male. I love I love women. I love looking at beautiful women. I really I can't. Hey, I'm not going to complain about the thirst trap videos. Man, I am a straight male man. OK, but my God, dude, it's just <sighs> social media is our society has really become so shallow. Just literally, that is all people have to offer now. And these are the same girls I see at the gym every day when I go to the gym. Every day is leg day because everybody want to be an ass model on TikTok and Instagram, dude. Like, literally, that's all it's about now. Nobody has personality. Everybody wants to be famous because they got some yams on them, because they got some cake, because they booty shaking. Oh, man, I really do sound like a boomer. But, man, it's just, oh, my God, it's it's frustrating. I <laughs> That's not the world I want to live in, man. Like, I want to be entertained and I want to create content, dude. But, I mean, every time I hop on. And I don't know how to change the settings on the stuff. I, mean, I don't want to see it every day and every time I hop on. And the one thing that bothers me the most about this, I have young kids. You know, and man, and I understand that, you know, I can't protect my kids from everything. My kids are six and eight. And I understand that social media, you know, it has good, good aspects to it. And there's some positive things to it, but... And I you know it's a it's a necessary evil in the world today, but I do not want to give the world that much access to my children. And I don't want my children to have that much access to the world at their ages right now. You know, we got enough going on with Disney and, 
know, all these teachers trying to push sex, you know, sex to kids, man. And it's this craziness, dude. And it just, man, and I'm being serious now. I'm not necessarily joking, but dude, like my children are precious to me and I want to keep my kids, kids as long as I can. You know, and my daughter, God bless her soul. She's eight years old. She comes home every day like, dad, I want to have a phone. All my friends in school have phones. I'm sure they do. But me, I I don't want my kid to follow the crowd. I don't, I, I, I'm trying to picture and imagine what I would do if I got on TikTok and I saw my daughter shaking her booty on camera, like just clapping it up, dog. Like that, that literally bothers me and disturbs me. It really does. Like I want my daughter to have enough self-respect for herself to be like, no, I don't want to get on social media and portray myself like that. And are, are there women out there that are like that? Of course. But my God, man, it's like everything I turn it to on social media is just buttholes and birth canals, dog. Everything. Because we know sex sells. But I don't want my daughter to have to sell herself in that way. And so before I do, I say I know I can't protect my kids from all this stuff forever. I know my son's going to be out there looking at titties and booty one day. My God, he's a chip off the old block, okay? Hey, I'm guilty. Why not? You know, but you know what, dude? It's, it, as a young man, that's, you know, it's going to be there. And it's going to be more accessible to him than it was at, when I was his age. Like, that wasn't even a thing for me. I didn't start thinking about girls till I was like 13 years old. You know, but all this stuff is in front of our kids' face. And our kids are over-sexualized and hyper-sexualized at every turn, man all with this little device in their pocket. And before I allow my kids to engage with that, I am trying to lay a solid foundation in my children's lives built on good Christian and moral values. I'm not expecting my kids to be perfect. I'm not expecting my kids to get a phone and not to do something stupid on TikTok or any, on social media because they're kids and they're going to make mistakes. But I am not ready to relinquish them to the world just yet. I see too much with kids nowadays, man. Like, for example, the other day at work, if you follow me on social media, I was playing basketball with some young black kids in the hood over at 12th and Jefferson over in Beecher. You know, and these, these kids weren't bad to me. They, we had a good time playing ball. But I was just picking up on their language. Like, fuck you, nigga. No, fuck you, nigga. Suck my dick, nigga. And these kids are my kids' age. And I can't imagine my children using that type of vernacular. And now I'm not a perfect parent. Y'all hear me cuss on here periodically. It's just, you know, hey, I'm not a perfect man. I'm a rough around the edges Christians, okay? I'm a rough around the edge Christians that talks about buttholes and birth canals on a podcast, you know? <laughs> but, you know, that, that's not my, and that, but that's not my focus, man. But you know, my kid, I don't cuss in front of my kids. I don't talk vulgar in front of my kids. I joke and laugh with my kids, but I joke and laugh with my kids about kids stuff. I'm not le letting my kids rush to become adults and grownups. I'm not rushing to let my daughter get on TikTok so that grown men can drool over her as she's dancing provocatively. I'm not in a rush for that. I'm not in a rush for my son to start sexualizing women at every turn, you know, everything he does. I don't want my son to just see women as sexual objects. You know, but it's so weird how we live in the age of feminism and women empowerment and respecting women. 
But, you know, we are so comfortable with women going out here and disrespecting themselves and presenting themselves in this manner. And we're so comfortable as men going out here and partaking of this content constantly and encouraging it. I mean, I said, I'm guilty. We're all we're all guilty. There is nobody out here. I don't care what you believe in. I don't care what your position is in a church. Dude, we are all guilty because we are all humans and we all have the same likings and we are we are we are attracted to the opposite sex. Some attracted to the same sex, but we're not going to get into that. You know, but man, we are people. And man, it's oh my god. Whew. Man, it just it's just it's heavy on my heart, man. And like I say tonight, I'm taking my daughter to Disney on Ice. She doesn't know me and her are going to have a daddy-daughter date night because daddy has been absent physically and mentally so much with PTSD, you know, and I see my daughter craving my attention and just wanting more time with her. And I'm going to do my best tonight to go out and take my daughter out on a date and show her what it's like to be treated like a lady and what a gentleman is supposed to treat a woman like. And I do my best to showcase that type of behavior to my children with the way I treat their mother, my wife. And I am not perfect, but I want them to have a healthy understanding of a relationship between a woman and a man and what love looks like. And it's get to that point with her where we're going to get ready to start having that conversation. And I'm not ready yet. Not ready. My God, I feel like eight's too young, but man, is it too young in this day and age? I don't know. Because, man, like I said, these kids are exposed to so much more now than I ever was at eight years old. So, you know, I'm like I say, I'm a boomer. But at the same time, like I say, I'm trying to learn more technology wise for the podcast, for the book and for my brand that I was trying to start building. And that takes social media. But there's so many distractions on social media. There's so many distractions in life. And man, I have realized as a parent, I had to stay up on what's going on with social media and all these apps and stuff, because eventually this is my kids are going to be on there. Not, it's not anytime soon, but eventually they are. And I'm going to have to monitor everything like I do now. And it's a shame that I have to monitor so much and I can only monitor so much because I don't have time to pre-screen everything that my kids are trying to watch on YouTube because we can, we have YouTube kids, but there's still content that gets on YouTube kids that is trying to persuade our children and change their minds and curve their minds to this woke ideology that's going on and this craziness that is happening in the world today, man. And my kids know we need to let children be children. Why are we rushing to sexualize children at such a young age? I don't understand. Well, there, I, this is what I'll say about it, though. This is it's evil. There is an evil thing going on right now. You can it's not Marxism. It's not it's not, you know, communism. It is just pure and simple evil. They are coming for our children. And that's why I'm have we have places like Florida where Governor DeSantis, you know, enacted these bills to where, you know, they're calling it the, the don't say gay bill, but what it really is is people saying, "Hey, you as a teacher don't have the right to tell my kid, talk to my kid about sex while my kid's in 3rd grade." That's my job as a parent, not your job as a teacher. And I see so many teachers pushing this woke ideology. And I I haven't seen it at my school yet, or my kids' school. And I hope I don't. But this is where, and this is the time now where we as parents 
have to open up our eyes and realize the reality of the time we are living in. You know, I mean, it, this stuff is becoming the norm, man. It is normal to open up your phone and see a birth canal in a booty hole just shaking and clapping just right in your face every time, man. You know, people used to be ashamed about this stuff. You're like, you open your phone, like you be like, oh, no, I can't let nobody see that. Now it's just, it's out and open. It's everywhere and it's celebrated. And I say, I'm not a prude. Not the least bit, man. But I just, I just, you know, I'm a very conservative man. I'm a Christian. But man, that's just not the type of, you know, society I want to live in. You know, hey, be free, live your life, do what you do, man. But leave my kids out of it and let me decide when I'm going to expose my children to this. And like I said, I hope when I go to Disney on ice tonight that there ain't no foolishness out on that ice. Because I paid some good money for these tickets to go and have a good time with my daughter. And I'll be damned if something happens on that ice that I do not approve of. I will walk our asses right up out of there and never never come back again. Never come back again. Because like I said, I'm not going to tell you all that are in that community how to live your lives. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for living your life as you do. I support you and your choices to do as you do and live your life and be whatever you want to be. But leave my children out of this. Trust me that I will teach my kids to respect you and your way of life. Trust that I will teach my kids not to hate you. I'll, hey, trust that. But you don't trust me enough to, to, believe, to leave my kids alone. So you're trying to force my kids and indoctrinate them into your way of life so that they won't question anything. Not on my watch. Not happening. See, I love my kids too much. That's why I ain't gave my kids phones yet. That's why I have not given you all access to my children. And when you do get access to them, they are going to be strong, God-fearing, conservative, American-loving children. They're not just going to be black kids. They're just going to be children. They're going to be good kids. That's my goal, man. And if I fall short of that, I will have failed as a parent. I don't care what I do with the rest of my life. I don't care if I make a million dollars, but if I get to the end of my life and my kids were like, you are a horrible father and my kids are just awful people. That is because, like I said earlier, everything rises and falls on leadership. And it is my leadership in my house, me as the head of my house. It is my job and my priority to make sure that my kids grow up to be good people, honest, hardworking adults that are respectable. They don't have to be my kid. I tell my kids, you don't have to be a millionaire. Dude, you don't, I tell my kids all the time, you don't have to be, you don't have to have the best grades in class. I don't care about your grades. Well, I'm not saying I don't care about your grades. I want you to have good grades. But if the best you can give me is B's and C's, I'm okay with that as long as you give me 100% effort. But what I cannot accept is bad behavior. I will not accept bad behavior on any level for my kids. You can bring me home straight F's. But if like, hey, he's the best behaved kid in class, hey, I'm cool with that. We'll work on the Fs. We'll find a way to make it better. Because you know what? Some people struggle academically. Me, I am not a strong person academically. I am not that smart, people. I am just very determined and stubborn individual. That is the only way I have made it as far as I have in life. It has not been by brains alone. If it was by brains, I would not be here. It is like I said, it's just through hard work and work ethic. I can teach that. But behavior... That is a personal choice, and I will not allow my kids to do anything that is going to shame our last name, and I will not allow my kids 
to be the bad kids in class and to be that family on the block with all those bad kids. Not going to happen on my watch, man. Oh, man, I've been ranting for a little bit about that. But like I said, I, you know, I'm passionate, man. I'm very passionate. I love my kids. You know what? I don't even know most of the people out here listening, but I love your kids. You know, I want your kids to be children. I want I don't want your kids to be targets of the far left and all this craziness going on in schools and sexualizing our children. That is for you as a parent. You decide that for your kid, you know, not Disney, you know, not the teachers, you know, not social media. That's for you to decide. And that's why I say as parents, we have to be more vigilant now than ever, man. I want to give everybody an update on what's going on with me outside of all this other stuff, you know, um, Man, so like I told y'all before, I am working on the audiobook. Last night, I finished chapter 10 of the audiobook. It is a long and daunting task. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even want to come in here today to do a podcast simply because I have spent so many hours in this closet working on the audiobook. You know, and it's just, um, and it is draining. And it's a great story. My book is phenomenal. I'm going to talk my book up because I wrote a damn good book. I'm proud of it, but I have read this book so many times at this point. My Lord, people, my Lord. Oh, and not just that, the fact that I already lived it, but I'm, and I'll even be more honest, reading my book out loud to myself and reliving a lot of those moments, man, I found myself almost crying the other day. You know, I was talking about, um, in the book, I was, uh, I was doing the audio book part of, uh, me getting hurt in Iraq. Now, excuse me, Jesus. See, I, this is why I don't need to be on the radio. This is why I don't need to be podcasting today. I can't even get my words together. My mind is shot. <laughs> but no, I was talking about all the soldiers we lost in Iraq during my tour. And just as I was reading it out loud, and you know, you got to put some emotion into it. And I was just thinking, man, all those emotions hit me again. Like, damn, I remember how sad that was when that happened. And I still feel it. You know, especially as Brian K. Baker. Henry Reisner, Brandon Titus, you know, you know, you don't forget these people, but you forget the feeling of the moment and reading the audiobook is bringing all that back and just putting all the emotion into it, man. So it's coming along fine and coming along well. Hopefully I'll be able to get it accepted by Amazon and Audible and that'll meet the specifications. I got a guy that's helping me do all that, you know, and I was just thinking, I'm like, man, what do I want out of the I Am Pits podcast and what do I want out of my book? What do I want out of my brand that I'm trying to build? You know, and I realized I've been doing this for a year and I really don't have a business plan or a plan. I'm just kind of doing things as I'm going along. And that was one of the questions one of the kids asked me at U of L the other day, like, hey, what's your plan for the future? And one of my favorite Bible verses is my people fail because they have no vision. And honestly, I don't have a great vision for where this thing is going. I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants right now. But, you know, I'm trying to start getting more of a roadmap, for what I want to do with this thing and what I would like to see happen. I do know one thing. I'm not using this as a platform to try to get rich and get out of police work. We have seen a lot of guys that have done that. And, hey, more power to them. You know, the Brandon Tatums, you know, the donut operators, Officer Daniels. I love these guys, man. They're doing a good thing. They go, me, I want to find a way to continue to keep serving people. But I also want to find a way to get my message out and, you know, give cops a voice and, you know, just kind of entertain people. But also at the same time, give people a, you know, give people, uh, make people feel empowered, make a lot of officers and veterans feel empowered. 
You know, that's that's what I want to do with this thing. You know, and I say I have an, a vision, you know, shirts, you know, and all types of other swag. And I have so many ideals in my head floating what I would like to see. You know, I got another book in my head that I want to write. I've already got the name and now I'm just trying to, in my mind, formulate a layout and how I'm going to deliver it and craft the message. You know, this the last book took me seven years. And so hopefully this one don't take near as long. But, you know, I, I have a lot of positive plans, man. You know, I got a lot of momentum behind me. But the one thing I don't want is I don't want to lose focus of why I did all this. And I don't want to lose focus of what's really important, which is helping people and encouraging people and make a difference in people's lives. You know, that's that's what this is all about at the end of the day. You know, if I wouldn't have sold not one damn book, but somebody saw something in my book like, dude, you helped me in more ways than you can imagine. Yo, that's that's what it's all about for me. And like I said, at the end of my life, I want my kids to be like, yo, this is my dad's book. This is my dad's story. This is who my father was. And this is who he wanted us to be. This is the foundation for our lives. And this is the groundwork of what my father did for this country, for his community and for his family. That's what it's about for me at the end of the day. And I don't want to lose sight of that. You know, sometimes I find myself, you know, you start looking at other people's success like, oh, man, I'm not doing enough and I got to do more than I have to realize and humble myself and remember that I am doing what I want to do right now at this moment. Dude, I have sold more books than I can imagine at this point. I, I, dude, I'm telling you, like, I didn't expect to really sell any sort of books because I was like, nobody cares about me or my story. Yo, dude, but it has been the outpouring of love for the book. The comments, man, it has been absolutely amazing and humbling. The people that have reached out to me, the people that have helped me, and you let me use their platforms to, you know, tell my, share my story and to promote my book. My God, man. So I am light years ahead of where I expect it to be. But no matter how far ahead I get, I don't want to lose fact of where I come from and what I have, what I've you know, been doing as a police officer in uniform. I mean, man, I don't want to leave this profession. I don't. I'm not trying to. Like I said, I want to continue to serve others. As long as I can, as long as God gives me the physical ability to put on a uniform and a gun belt, that is what I'm going to continue to do. And then when I'm off on my off days, of course, yeah, I'd love to go do some speaking engagements and talk to people. Yo, but my heart is in policing. My heart is in service to the community and the country. My heart is in service to people. And you know what? I don't want to lose sight of that. And I encourage you all to hold my feet to the fire and hold me accountable to those words. If you see me out here acting like a diva, like I'm too good to talk to people, pull me aside and smack the taste out of my mouth like Will Smith did to Chris Rock. Because, you know, what? I don't want to lose sight of the humbleness. I don't want to lose sight of any of that. And that has always been my fear, losing my identity and losing sight of who I am and what I was. And I see that so much with so many people that get promoted and move up in life and people that get money. But the truth is. You know what? I realized all these things, you know, money and fame don't necessarily change people. It just shows you more of who you really were. If you were a jerk before you had money, you're going to be just a bigger jerk with a bigger pocket. If you are a true, loving, caring and kind person before you had money, you're just going to be a bigger, kinder, lover, loving, gentle, gentle person with more with a bigger pocket. That's all. You know, so I want to stay glued to reality. You know, and I want to continue to be, you know, help veterans and speak to veterans issues and speak to police officer issues and stuff going on in the country. Like I say, you know, I, I need to narrow down a lot of stuff that I got going on because I have just 
so much stuff going on in my life, man. Like I'm being pulled in a hundred different directions, but they're all good directions I'm being pulled in. But at the end of the day, it's all about service. It's all about my family. And I just want to go ahead and now and say, man, my show was getting ready to approach 10,000 downloads. Just like the amount of books I've sold, which has blown my mind. When I started this show a year ago, I did not imagine 10,000 people downloading the show and hearing it. That was never even a thought in my mind. Like I said, I am light years ahead of where I expect it to be. And I can only hope and pray that God has some wonderful things in store for the future for the Iron Pits podcast and the Iron Pits brand. Who knows? You know, you know, I got to figure out a roadmap going forward. But, man, this has been a wonderful episode. And if you are offended by the title of Buttholes, Birth Canals and Aliens, I'm not going to apologize because that is exactly what I was talking about. See, you have to give me a moment to explain the buttholes and birth canals thing. And if you disagree with me, you ain't on social media and you are not on TikTok. Boom. That's why. You know, I'm a boomer, but at least I'm in the know. I'm learning. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pits podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Hey, you all know what to do. If you could, please go and rate the show on Apple, on, excuse me, on Apple Podcasts. And if you could, rate the show on Spotify as well. Hey, if you would like to purchase a copy of the magnificent and wonderfully rated book, I Am Pits, Memoirs of an American Patriot. Go to IamPits.com and you can purchase a copy there with the links. Or if you would like to have a signed autograph copy from me, you can buy from me direct. All you need to do is send me an email at IamPits at Yahoo.com. And I will tell you how to purchase an autograph signed copy from me. They're like, you know, who's this guy that thinks somebody wants his autograph? You know what? I don't know. Maybe one of the aliens out there that's watching or one of these half alien people want to read something that's interesting and read about a good American man that's a patriot and loves this country. Maybe. You know what? If they do reach out to me, I got them. I'll give them a free book if that's the case. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pits podcast. Thank you all for tuning in and listen to me rant and rave and slur my words and just stumble through this thing. But thank you all for tuning in as always. And thank you for the views. Please share the show with your friends and your family. Share the book with your friends and your family. And thank you all for tuning in. And I will see you on the next one.